today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, we'll be talking about time, time management, how to make the best use out of time, and how to be most effective in your business as a coach. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hi, and welcome back to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking to you about how you can organize your time in an effective way, because as we are all entrepreneurs, basically, or perhaps solopreneurs might be a more accurate term. Um, as coaches, we have to take care of ourselves. We, we don't have a nine to five job. We don't have a, you know, a, a deadline that says you must do this at a particular time. So we have to organize ourselves in a way that um, is, you know, effective, obviously, but it is also kind of a model for, you know, our coaching clients. We have to, we have to walk our talk, don't we? We have to be as, you know, organized or better than we expect our, our, our clients to be. So it's a challenge. It's a, it is certainly a challenge for us to, to stay actively engaged in our work and to not work too much and things like that. So I'm going to show you some of or tell you some of my, uh, my tricks, my things that I've learned over the years that will be useful for you as well, I'm sure, or at least I hope. Uh, or, or, or at least maybe it'll make you feel better about how you're doing it better than me. So anyway, that's my subject for today. Let's get started. So time is an interesting thing, isn't it? Deadlines are very important. I think I've told you the story before about uh, Aaron Copeland and how he said uh, that there's nothing as inspirational as a deadline. I won't tell you that whole story. Suffice it to say, he, he used... Uh, deadlines as inspiration for him uh, his first well the only example i don't only met him once so the only story he ever told me i'll tell you real quick is that i asked him what his, his, his inspiration was for appalachian spring which between you and me is the only piece of his i really knew at that time i heard probably a few others but it was the only one i could like name and and um, and I liked it a lot. So I asked him what his inspiration for it was. And he told me a story about how Martha Graham had called him up and said, hey, Aaron, I need 15 minutes of dance music by next Thursday. If you have it for me, I'll pay you 200 bucks. And this was in a day when, you know, that was a lot of money. So I said, okay, you got it. And he, he provided that music for, you know, it might have been 20 minutes worth of music, but provided it for by next Thursday. And uh she named it Appalachian Spring. He wasn't inspired by Appalachia at all. She she gave it the title. He just said, here's some dance music for you. But he looked at me, he just pointed his finger and he said, there's nothing as inspirational as a deadline. We need to get things done. We need to get things done in a timely fashion. My brother once told me a long, long time ago, he said, work expands to fill time. Work expands to fill time. If you have an hour to do something, it'll take you an hour to do it. If you have... Five minutes to do it. Well, <laughs> that's, let's hope you get it done in five minutes, but chances are, are good. You will. I remember once a quick story for you here. Um, 
I was a, uh, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, you know, self-employed, let's put it that way, for a long time. I was a piano teacher for, for many years when I was uh, starting off in the, in the music world in New York City. I was, I was earning money as a piano teacher. And I had students who would come to the house. And, um, you know, I was also in a, in a rock band and, you know, doing that sort of stuff. So I, I wasn't the I wasn't a slob, but I wasn't the cleanest person either. I was, you know, 20 something kid playing in a rock band. Anyway, um, I had to have the place presentable when the kids came over for, for their lessons somewhere around three 30 after school let out. And there were times when, you know, three o'clock rolled around. It's like, Oh man, I got to get out of bed. <laughs> that wasn't that bad, but I had to clean up the apartment pretty quickly. And, and I did, you know, it was always, you know, better homes and gardens kind of clean by the time the doors opened at three 30. I remember one time it was like 20 after three and, and I was like, Oh gosh. And I went lightning, you know, just put it into overdrive, you know, high gear overdrive and just barreled through and clean things up. And, and uh, it was ready by three 30. And I thought to myself, wow. I did all that in 10 minutes. That's pretty cool. I wonder what I could do in five. Turns out you can do a lot in five minutes. Um, so I, I started using this five-minute rule, that uh, five-minute cleanup. I called it a five-minute cleanup. And I would set a timer. It's a funny thing. I have a timer right here. Let me, let me just prove it to you. You can't see it, but you can hear it. Someday this will be a video uh, podcast, and you will see that. Right now, this could be a video podcast now that I think about it. I have that ha happening. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but uh, these are now featured on YouTube as well. And pretty soon they will be video. Right now, they're just a kind of uh, a placeholder photo with the audio going on underneath it. But um, anyway, that, that is a timer. It's a kitchen timer, regular kitchen timer, but I have it here at my desk. I have another one in the kitchen, virtually identical. And um, but the one here, I use for my five minute cleanups, my five minute focus periods or my 10 or 15 or 20 minute focus periods. I'll set that timer for a period of time and say, go. And for the next 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, it may not be hyperdrive like it was when I was cleaning my apartment for the you know, school kids, but it's, you know, it's a focused attention where I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to clean this desk. I'm going to, you know, go through emails. I'm going to go through whatever. I'm going to do this for five minutes. And, and for that period of time, I'm focused on that one activity, right? So that's a huge thing. I've, I think I've devoted a whole podcast to a timer. I'm not sure that's true or not. It's getting blurry after a hundred of these things. I know I wrote a blog post about it once. But anyway, um, timers are, are huge for me because it's like Aaron Copeland's thing about Nothing is inspirational as a deadline. It's an artificial deadline, right? You push that start button and suddenly go, you know, the timer is going. Let's, let's get, let's get, let's go on. Let's go, 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 go. Right? So it's a, it's a hugely important thing. And we need to have that. We also have to, I need, I'm speaking for myself. I need to have a kind of um, artificial not deadline exactly, but um, structure to the day. Um, I noticed that a lot of people go to work. 
in the morning. I remember one time I was I was I was finishing up a gig. We were we were playing the rock band it was called Ultraviolence. It's the first band I was in in New York City when I moved there in 1981. It was, um, and we had played a, a gig at this club called A7 or maybe it was 7A. Again, a little blurry, but it was one of those two, A7 or 7A. It was on the corner of Avenue A and East 7th Street. It is not there anymore, but it was a, it was a really in, in, interesting club. Um, you wouldn't know it was there, except there was a door and a guy standing by it. And then there's this the place. Yeah. And we played a, a gig there, the punk rock band. There were four other bands playing. So our first set was around midnight and our second set was around 6 a.m. So we finished that set and um, packing up my keyboards and amp and stuff and hailing a taxi. And then I was seeing all these people like walking around like in suits and <laughs> carrying briefcases and stuff and going like, who are these people? Where are they going? Let's go. Oh, oh, Right. Normal people. <laughs> was, yeah. So I noticed that people have that, you know, they have this structure imposed on them, you know, show up for work at nine, leave at five or whatever. Um, so I, I, at some point along the way, decided that would, that would be useful um, to, I don't have that, but let's, let's create that. Let's, let's create that. So I made a rule for myself that said I would be at my desk. Uh, you can hear that. It's the desk right there. And um, I would be here by nine. It's my nine o'clock is my start time, which meant I, I needed to, you know, get other things done, you know, exercising, running, meditating, whatever, you know, preliminary stuff, showering, dressing, etc. done by nine so that I would show up at my desk and start work at nine. Now, it doesn't have to be nine. It could be whatever your schedule is, but it's good to have that sort of set schedule. And prior to COVID, um, I had an office in New York City. Um, and I would, I would endeavor every day to be there by nine. I would, I would run in Prospect Park, Brooklyn, or whatever I would do exercise-wise or not, you know, depending on the day. And... Um, just endeavor to be at the office by nine. Very often, no one was there. It was a hypnotist's collaborative kind of thing run by Melissa Tears um, called the Center for Integrative Hypnosis. And I had an office for a few years there before COVID hit. And that, of course, changed everything. But uh, for a while, I would get there and nobody was there. So I would just have the place to myself and uh, close my 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 office door and and, you know, meditate and and uh, do self-hypnosis or whatever it took. And then I'd be ready to go. And at the time, my sort of my way of scheduling things was to have paper calendars. I was an old school guy, liked uh, paper calendars. So I had those things that I, that I wrote into, I wrote, wrote my appointments. And then I also had an uh, hour by hour, you know, week by week calendar thing at, um, you know, I could write the fine points. Now, Within that calendar, what the things I was writing down uh, stemmed from all the thinking I'd gotten out of Stephen Covey. And if you're not familiar with Stephen Covey's Seven Habits uh, of Highly Effective People, 
think that's the title. So I think that's right. Um, check it out. It's it's an, it's a classic for a reason. It's 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 just great, just great. But one of the things he talks about there, and and the reason that he then uh, partnered with Franklin Planners to create the Covey Franklin or Franklin Covey Planners, um, is this his way of doing time organization. It's quite brilliant, I think. He says, uh, think who you are. Who are your, who are, what are your roles in life? You know, you may be a coach. You may be a, uh, a mother or a father or sister or brother. You know, you may be many things, but what are those things? And then within those roles, what are some goals that you have in order to achieve, you know, the success that you want in all those different roles. I want to be the, a better father. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better coach. I want a better, you know, better business person. I want to be a better athlete. You know, whatever those roles are, what are the goals that you have within those to be successful within those roles? And then he t- said, okay, so to achieve those goals, what do you need to do? Like if you want to be a better athlete, you need to, you know, exercise and do the, you know, practice your, your sport. If you want to be a better entrepreneur, you need to devote some time to work on the business, not in the business, you know, see the e-myth. I think I did a podcast about that a while back. Um, You know, there's periods of time where you need to be working on your business, not just in your business, like an overworked technician. So when you decide what are those things that you need to do to achieve the goals that you have within the roles, then you say, okay, when am I going to do it? And you put it in your calendar. You put it in your calendar. He's got a great metaphor. I'm sure you're aware of this one about the big rocks in the jar, right? So you put them in your calendar. And then, as he said in the Franklin Planner, the Covey, Franklin or the Covey, Franklin Covey, I don't know, Planner, um, you know, he said exercise, what was it called? Exercise responsibility? No, exercise integrity in the moment of choice, exercise integrity in the moment of choice. In other words, if you write down, I'm going to, you know, go to the gym and exercise at, you know, 8 a.m., 8 a.m. comes around, go to the friggin' gym, right? You, you wrote it down, do it. That's as important as like, you know, a meeting with the president at eight o'clock or meeting with the queen. You know, it's like, it's integral. I often use the example of if you had a toothache, you know, if you had a pretty ah, severe toothache and the dentist could squeeze you in at 8 a.m. on Wednesday, you'd be at the dentist at 8 a.m. on Wednesday. You know, you would you would make it happen. Same way. Make these things happen. Put them in your calendar. Do them. Do them. When it comes to that period of time, you exercise integrity in the moment of choice. But you can't do that unless you've planned it now. I don't use paper calendars anymore. I, I, since COVID started and I moved up to this little country cabin, house, cottage, whatever, this tiny little place that we're living in. Um, thank God it has heat, electricity, and Wi-Fi, running water, indoor plumbing, all those things. Good stuff. Um, big enough, right? Good enough. And I'm very happy here. So, but uh, no real need for paper calendars. I didn't have an office to go to. I didn't have people coming to see me in person. And if people were going to be making appointments, they were going to be making them for online things like a Zoom call or something like that. So I arranged for an online calendar, 
which you probably have too. Most people have those things these days. I have some friends who do nothing but they don't touch paper. They just, everything's on their phone or their computer. Um, I was not that way until COVID. I'm still not that way really, but um, it's, I do have an online scheduler now. I, I use Acuity Scheduling. That's the one I use. And so people can go onto that app and, you know, book an appointment for an hour or half hour, depending on what they want to talk about. Um, so that we do private sessions, coaching sessions, um, hypnosis, NLP, that sort of stuff. And here's the next thing that I do do for this sort of Franklin Covey um, planning that I was describing a moment ago, is that on Sunday nights, I, I stole a phrase from Tony Robbins, uh, the hour of power. I don't think my hour of power is anything what he describes his hours of powers might be. But um, but I like the term. It has a ring to it. He has a knack for creating things with a ring to it like that. So what I do on, on Sunday nights is I plan my week. Again, coming from Stephen Covey, he says, and, and I think probably... His second book, which ironically is called First Things First. I never quite understood that. But anyway, I believe it's in his second book where he talks about the idea of um, different perspectives. You've got a close-up perspective and a distance perspective. And there's a neat video about it online, by the way. You can YouTube, uh, search search YouTube for Stephen Covey and find some wonderful videos about both the, the, the big rocks in the jar concept and uh, time management stuff, and also this uh, distance or f- close-up focus thing. Uh, check it out. Look for it. You can find it. Um, really, really good videos. Worth watching. Stephen Covey's worth worth doing all that stuff. is. But what he's talking about here is basically this. He says, we need to have different uh, focus points. Sometimes we need to get up way up over our lives and a kind of jet airliner perspective. Like you need, like if you're flown in a jet and you look down and go like, Oh, wow, there's my city. You know, and you see this from a way up perspective, but you also see like the lake and the ocean and the mountains, you know, you see a whole big picture of, you know, your life, your city, your place. And um, so we need to have that perspective. Once in a while, once a year, once every five years, we need to get up in that level and say, what am I doing with my life? You know, what's the big picture here? Where am I going? Where is where is true north? Right? He uses those metaphors. And and then you need to get down, land the plane, and, uh, you know, get down on the street level and do stuff to move in the right direction, keeping in mind where true north is and what the big an ultimate destination is so that you're going in the right direction, not just going from, you know, this to that, to this, putting out fires or whatever, you know, being in the forest and going from tree to tree to tree, but sort of going around in circles, you know, you need to know where true North is. So you need to know you're going in the direction that you plotted from that high perspective, but daily we are down in the forest, right? We're going from tree to tree to tree. If we know where true north is, then we can operate effectively and make sure that we're doing those things that are appropriate and necessary to do. How do we do that in reality? With calendars. 
we, we what I do on my Sunday night hour of power is I sort of get up not to the not to the jetliner place, but like above the tree level. I think of it like floating up over the tree level of my life uh, on a hot air balloon. You know, so you're you're high enough that you can see. Oh, you're right. There's where the mountains are. That's where the ocean is. So that's true north there. So this is the direction I'm going. I know where I want to go. So it's metaphorically that's this perspective you have, but it's only high enough to see that. And then you can also see. Okay, these are the things I need to do now. So on Sunday night, I look at my week, not the life, not five year plan, but I look at the week. And say, what are the things I need to do this week? Obviously, the things that have been um, put into the acuity scheduling app are there. Those are appointments I need to honor and that I will honor that people have made appointments with me, uh, classes I teach, etc. So I print out, I go back to paper, I print out the week. I print out the week. And I then I can't see this. It's, Someday you will. Maybe I'll maybe I'll put this as a picture. Um, any rate, I print out the week, and so now I have a one week calendar, and it's black and white because that's the way it prints. Although on the online, it's got colored coding for the different types of appointments. So when it prints prints out, then I start color coding it myself. I'm kind of funny that way. Um, for me, and this is. Maybe for some of our listeners, but certainly it's true for me. Um, I do better with the color coding thing. So I can look right now. I'm looking at this as the sheet from just this week that I've just completed. Um, so I see that, you know, the blue boxes for the regular coaching clients that I have, the green boxes for the classes that I'm online classes that I'm teaching. And then I have um, yellow or, or in this case, this week I, I chose orange. Um, blocks for things that are new appointments you know people want a, a singular I, I don't do this very often but i do sometimes do you know like single or you know just a couple three uh appointments for somebody with a really specific issue if they want to get over a particular phobia or something like that um then i'll 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 do that so those are in a, in a you know contrasting color to the green and blue regularly occurring uh scheduled things but then i also have a special pen pen it's colored pencil actually um, that I use to color in what I'm when I'm terming my covey thing my my big rocks you know what are these things that are important for me to do quadrant two activities if you're hearkening back to Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people the, the quadrant two activities that are important for me in these roles that I've chosen for myself to accomplish the goals that I want for myself so I put these in this fluorescent orange and I put them in there like yesterday I, I I wanted to get a new keyboard I'm a piano player and, and I have this electric keyboard that I, I'd gotten a few years ago very very sophisticated um, synthesizer that frankly I never really used in that way it's capable of and it, it was cumbersome and um, frankly way more of a machine than I needed and I never used it is sitting in my storage unit. So I I drove to Albany, which is from where I'm currently residing about an hour and a half drive, um, in order to basically swap it out. I went to a place called the Guitar Center. Long story, never mind. But it's in my calendar in this fluorescent orange. 
because it's different and I needed to plan it. I needed to get the keyboard out of the storage unit so that I could put it in the car and drive it to Albany. I needed to plan these things. There's another thing that I have uh, in fluorescent oranges to, you know, set aside time on a daily basis. I, I'll admit I didn't do it every day this week, but on a daily basis to write sections of my new book that I'm working on. So I need to put that in the calendar so that I do it. Now, this all will work. It works for me. It'll work for you. It'll work for anybody. But I will say there's one more thing that I, I've recently come to recognize that one of the reasons that perhaps I don't always do the things that I put down here is that I don't always use all the skills that I have. I'm an NLP master trainer, basically. So um, I know a lot of techniques in the NLP world. And one of them is, is certainly to look at things through the well-formedness outcomes, the well-formedness conditions of an outcome. You know, A, it needs to be stated in the positive. B, it's um, sensory specific. Three, it's ecological. And uh, there's a fourth one too. But, but it's also... yeah. It, what's what's good about this what's bad about this what's what what will happen if i do what happen if i don't what won't happen if i do what won't happen if i don't so that i can make sure that these things are going to actually happen so i use whatever techniques i need to know so okay i i know specifically for me it's usually about chunking so it's not like write the book you know on tuesday at 11 it's like yeah, it's a very big chunk there but, you know, maybe I will um, do some research for a particular aspect of the book, you know, write a paragraph, write a chapter, you know, focus on one character or whatever. You know, it's that sort of thing. Chunk it down to a bite-sized thing that I can accomplish Tuesday at 11, you know, from 11 to 11.05, if I go in hypergear, <laughs> 11 to 11.30, 11.40, whatever the time frame is. When I get to 11.40, I know what to do. I set the timer, but go... But I need to know what it is. If I do that, if I set to say, okay, so I'm going to chunk it down to say, accomplish this goal at, you know, Tuesday at 11, as an example, then I, I do that. Because when it comes around, I look at the calendar, it says, oh, do that bright orange, got my attention. And it's clear, it's specific. Okay, I know exactly what to do. I personally tend to get a little bit of like overwhelmed if it's a too big of a chunk, you know, write the book. Uh, it's like, uh, but if I have taken the time on Sunday night to get to that, you know, that view that says, you know, this is where I'm going. This is my goals, but it's not too high. It's the right level. I can say, okay, I need to accomplish this much. If I put that down on the paper, then my week goes very swimmingly. It, it flows. It goes nicely. So that's kind of it for my uh, my section on doing time. But let me just tell you a little bit more about that Stephen Covey Quadrant 2 thing. I think that might be important for you if you are unfamiliar with this. If you are familiar with Stephen Covey's Quadrant 2 stuff, then thanks for tuning in. But <laughs> let me tell you real briefly. Stephen Covey has this nice little way of doing uh, organizing things. He calls the four quadrants of activities. Quadrant 1 are activities that are urgent and important urgent and important it's like oh i gotta get this done by you know two o'clock because uh whatever so deadline driven perhaps 
urgent things, really important things, um, consequences if you don't, really great things if you do, you know, so it's like, I must. So, you know, let's say you're at work and you get a phone call. This is totally hypothetical, but you get a phone call and the doctor is calling and said, your kid has just fallen off the swing set and, you know, been taken to the hospital. Can you come to the hospital? And I was like, yes, you know, stop everything. You go, you know, it's urgent. It's important. You do it. That's quadrant one. Quadrant two, it's important, but it's not urgent. If you don't do it right away, you can wait till later, but it is important. You need to get it done. So you will get it done because it's important. Quadrant two, not urgent, but important. Uh, things like, you know, going to the gym, exercising, eating well, getting enough sleep, flossing, you know, quadrant two activities, important, not urgent. Quadrant three are things that are urgent, not important. Things like, oh, the phone's ringing. Oh, let me, excuse me. It's like, oh, spam. Ah, don't need this, right? Interruptions that seem urgent or they are urgent. They act urgent because there's time driven, but they're not really important. Sale on us rutabagas. Come get them. And then there's um, quadrant four activities, which are not important and not urgent, which are, of course, time wasters. I, I will admit to you, I've, I've fallen into this trap a few times in my life, more than I care to admit, but um, I'm just admitting it, I guess. I used to travel to do um, hypnosis workshops for smoking cessation and weight loss. And I would be tired when I finished it. We, we finished at 10 p.m. And then we'd, my partner and I would go to dinner and I'd you know, be home 11.30 or 12. And I'd be like, I'd just been, you know, in front of lots of people for a few hours and, you know, doing this thing. I was like kind of wired, tired, but wired. So I would turn on the TV in the hotel room. And uh, generally speaking, TVs in hotel rooms don't have a very effective guide to let you know what's on the TV. So I'd just start flipping through the channels, thinking there must be something good. <laughs> There's a hundred channels here. There must be something good on this television and so i'd spend an hour just flipping through the friggin channels that is a quadrant four activity it is not important it is not urgent i'd have been much better off not doing it almost everything in quadrant four you'd be much better off not doing time wasting stuff so if you imagine this chart um for quadrants uh, you know uh, on the top is important on the side is urgent uh, important not urgent i'm sorry important not important urgent not imp urgent so then you can figure out the quadrants so quadrant two activities are the things that stephen covey says we need to really focus on that highly effective people in the seven habits of highly effective people book highly effective people focus on quadrant two activities Quadrant one activities will basically take care of themselves. If something happens, you know, you get a call, your boss needs this thing now, you know, you do it. They kind of take care of themselves. Quadrant two activities, however, are those things that because they're not urgent, don't necessarily have that same, you know, energy to them, right? Which is where for me, my timer comes in handy because then I can say artificially, yes, but it still works for me, you know, go. It's now suddenly urgent because I decided it's on my calendar Tuesday at 11. It's a, it's, it's a doable chunk size. I know what to do. And then I say, go. 
and I start doing it. So that's how I do that. And I think it's really important. One last thing. This is, I promise, the last thing. Um, those people that tuned out when I told them I was going to just talk about quadrant two activities, I'm sorry. But I, I heard, uh, I guess it wasn't a podcast. It was a long time ago, probably a, a self-help tape or something like that. But I, I believe it was, oh gosh, Tracy something. <coughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't be coughing into the microphone. Um, oh gosh. I think it's, I think Brian, Brian Tracy, I'm pretty sure Brian Tracy was saying that there are, should be three types of days in your week. I'm pretty sure that's what Brian Tracy, three types of days in your week. He said, there's the days that are kind of, you know, uh, traditional work days, Monday through Friday, you know, you, you go to work or school days, maybe um, you go to work, you go to school and uh, you come home and you have dinner and watch TV or whatever. Um, then there needs to be a day of the week that's akin to a Saturday, a traditional kind of Saturday where you work, but you don't, you know, do homework. You don't do schoolwork. You don't, you, you, you do housework. You know, you, you clean uh, the laundry, you do wash the sheets, you scrub the floors, you vacuum, you know, you do your shopping, you do those Saturday type of activities, you cut the lawn. And then uh, there needs to be a, a third type of day of week, which is traditionally akin to a Sunday, which is to say a, a day of rest. Could be Saturday, depending on your traditions, but nevertheless, a day of rest where you don't work. You know, you have a picnic, you 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 play croquet on your freshly mown lawn, you you have a barbecue, you, you go for a walk, you go to an amusement park, you go to a football game, you know, you... You don't work, you relax, you vacation sort of, you know, for a day. Also, by the way, vacations are good too. We all need time to rest and relax. I have a friend who every year has been doing this for years. He takes, I believe it's two weeks, might be just a week, but I'm pretty sure it's two weeks where he goes off into the wilderness. He leaves his phone behind and he just is by himself somewhere. You know, no one, I'm sure he leaves word with somebody, but nobody in the general population knows where the hell he is, except he's gone. He has disappeared. He's out in the wilderness somewhere. He's gotten very good at this. Um, you know, and he just spends uh, a couple of weeks alone. I think that's an incredibly admirable thing. I've often fantasized about doing that, but boy, but just a vacation would be good too. Anytime where you're not working for, you know, a week would be awesome. People don't do that very much anymore. I know that I have a tendency to work seven days a week. But, uh, or and, um, better to have those days akin to what Brian Tracy was talking about. So when we schedule ourselves, we need to also schedule in quadrant two activities, which is relaxation, which is decompression which is stepping away from the computer, stepping away from the phone, stepping away from the world maybe for a while and recharging your batteries. Um, there is another Stephen Covey story that you've probably heard about the, um, the woodcutter competition. There's an annual woodcutters Olympics, apparently, um, in Canada, let's say. I don't know, but it's uh, probably fictional. Nevertheless, 
it happens every year, fictionally or not, where there's this woodcutters competition. And one of the one of the events is basically cut down as many trees as you can in an hour or six hours. Maybe it's a marathon. Anyway, the um, defending champion has been champion for years. He's amazing. Gets done all these trees. And this year, there's a challenger. Doesn't look like he's much of anything. But somehow or other, making a long story short, he manages to squeak ahead after a while and then finally wins the championship. And uh, the now former champion is very gracious about it. He says, hey, congratulations. That was amazing. I can't believe you did it. But but I'm really kind of doubly amazed that you were able to beat me because you kept stopping to rest. And the guy says, oh, no, I wasn't resting. I was sharpening my saw. That's a lovely metaphor. Rest is important too, however. So both are good. Sharpening your saw comes from rest. You know, when you when you rest and recharge, that's a really important thing to do. So, yes, Brian Tracy, have days off. Have days off. Take time to recharge and to do other work other than just, um, you know, it's always focused on your business. That being said, there are also times when this lovely balance of work and, uh, you know, real life, if you will, is, is a little out of balance for a while. I cannot tell you the person that said this. I was listening to, uh, again, prior to podcasts, there's a radio thing, um, but it was about the same sort of subject. And the person was saying, you know, when you're starting off in business, when you're just starting off, sometimes things are out of balance by necessity. You need to work extra hard for a while. You know, no vacations this year, um, no Sundays off for a while. You know, you, you got to, you know, burn those candles at both ends. You need, you need the energy. You need to go um, for a while, not too much. And there, there definitely needs to be limits even, even then, even then. So if you are just starting off, yeah, it, it takes takes work to get this thing off the ground, to get things going. And you got more jobs than probably you signed up for, you know, as a solopreneur, as an entrepreneur, you know, we need to, you know, be the person who schedules. We need the person who does the stuff on the schedule. We need to be the person who, you know, does the billing, does the advertising, does the marketing. We, we, we do all those things, do all those things. It's a it's an interesting challenge, but it is also wonderful. I'm sitting in my living room talking to you right now. Look outside. I see, you know, trees and grass. And then there's out through my open screen doors because it's summertime now. I don't know if you can hear the birds and things chirping around. It's, it's a great business, isn't it? <laughs> this coaching thing we do, it's a wonderful thing. Plus, it is so wonderful to be helping humans helping people make their lives better helping them get out of you know pain whether it's emotional or physical or psychological pain um, help them get out from wherever that problem has been to where they're going in the future it's a noble enterprise it's a wonderful thing that we're doing and it's wonderful to help people while we're helping ourselves at the same time it's nice to know that you can enjoy both at the same time Thank you for tuning in. I hope you tune in again to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Visit us over at EssentialCoachingSkills.com and hope to see you soon. 
Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.